On today's episode of the Dad Tired Podcast, I sit down with author and pastor John Tyson to talk about what it looks like to be an intentional father who raises sons of courage and character. Really, really fascinating interview. I promise you're going to love it. Before we jump into that, though, I want to thank my friends over at High Health for sponsoring today's episode. I know some of you dads listening may not be giving too much thought about the vitamins that your kids are taking, or maybe you just leave it up to your wife to make those decisions, but I want to challenge you to give this some thought. High Health was actually started by two dads who realized the vitamins they were giving their kids were essentially sugar-filled candy in disguise, so they decided to do something about it. Did you know that 93% of kids don't eat enough fruits and vegetables? And we all know that what kids eat instead are chicken fingers, mac and cheese, processed foods, ice cream, and more. And the vitamins that are supposed to fill in those nutritional gaps are based on out-of-date nutritional guidelines from the 1980s. Haya fills in the most common gaps in modern children's diets to provide the full-body nourishment our kids need with a yummy taste they love. My kids absolutely love these vitamins. They're made from 12 farm-fresh fruits and vegetables and supercharged with 15 essential vitamins and minerals known to help support a healthy immune system, energy levels, brain function, mood, teeth, bones, and more. Most children's vitamins are filled with 5 grams of sugar and can cause a variety of health issues. Haya is made with zero sugar and zero gummy junk, yet it tastes great and is perfect for picky eaters. It's non-GMO, vegan, dairy-free, allergy-free, gelatin-free, nut-free, and everything else you can imagine. It's manufactured here in the United States with globally sourced ingredients, each selected for optimal bioavailability and absorption. We've worked out an exclusive offer with Haya for their best-selling children's vitamin. Dad Tired listeners receive 50% off your first order. To claim this deal, you must go to HayaHealth.com forward slash Dad Tired or enter the code Dad Tired at checkout. That's H-I-Y-A-H-E-A-L-T-H dot com slash Dad Tired. HayaHealth.com slash Dad Tired and get your kids the full body nourishment they need to grow into healthy adults. Again, go to HayaHealth.com forward slash Dad Tired or enter the promo code Dad Tired at checkout. You know what's funny, man, is we've got an online community. I'll do a little plug here because it's brand new. So for our audience, we just launched a a brand new app where guys can get on and talk to each other. Other dads can encourage each other. And we've only been on it for about a week. And I've already seen this book come up two or three times. Love that. In in that short amount of time. So guys are already gravitating towards this. I read the title, The Intentional Father, A Practical Guide to Raise Sons of Courage and Character. I'm like, all right, I immediately need to have John on. And I need to have them on for like 10 hours because I want to pull out everything in your brain. At this moment, I've got a 10-year-old boy and then three girls all the way down to six months. So my wife is at work as a nurse right now. Um, Oh, wow. My daughter's in college at studying nursing. Yeah. Okay. So I just changed a poopy diaper for a six-month-old baby girl. And I have my 10-year-old son watching his three younger sisters. I respect that. So I've got a full spectrum of like, where my mind's at as a dad, you know, yes. but one of the places that I'm, you know, I'm trying to figure out is my 10 year old son who yes. is going to figure out all the changes of what it looks like to move into boyhood, mm. into young yes. manhood very shortly here. And I've heard that you went through with your son, this primal path or this plan to kind of grow him up into very intentionally manhood. And so I just want to pull everything out of your brain and tell okay, me. Okay, like, man. Yes. I mean, super quick. That is true. I did a six-year journey from 13 to 19 with my son, daily, weekly, monthly. 
Wow. And then concluded with a gap year. And then after the gap year, him and I hiked across Spain, did the Camino de Santiago to close it out with a big blessing ceremony. Now he is a, he's going to be a junior and in college, like he's through it. He's into manhood. I'm working on something else actually that I'll just call minimum manhood. And it's basically like primal path 2.0 for young men, which is like, okay, you've had all the foundational principles. Now you're out in the real world. Let's level those up. Let's build on what you've learned another layer. So the task is never done, mate. Yeah. Well, you know, what's interesting. We were just talking about COVID because I'm recovering from that right now. So you'll probably, the audience will hear me cough as I'm, as I'm getting over that, but not to bring up all these hot topics, but right now, and as we record this, there's a big story about a, what was a missing girl. Unfortunately, is her body was found. Um, well, they found her, Gabby. They, um, they, they, Gabby Petito, they found her right. body and they've determined it's a homicide. The reason I bring this up, and maybe this is a terrible time to bring it up, one of the articles I read recently, they they were showing pictures of the boyfriend's bedroom. And so I was looking through, I was reading this article and I was looking at, you know, what was life like for this guy who's at this point still just a person of interest or whatever. I would, uh, the, he's missing, isn't he? He's missing. Yeah. <laughs> the reason I bring all this up is because when they showed pictures of his bedroom, he's in his 20s or whatever, but it looked like a boy's room. It looked like a boy's room. You know, that's got like some Star Wars collectibles and had some, you know, children's stuff. It just, it didn't look like what you would consider, what you think about as a man. Yeah. And, it, and it's in his parents' house, whatever. I'm not, all of that is irrelevant. It's just cultural commentary. Just yeah. cultural commentary. Cultural commentary. The reason I bring all that up is because my wife said when she was looking at that, she's like, I'm just grateful. She was talking to me. She's like, thank you for like not being into all these like boy things, <laughs> I guess, childish things. And the reason I say all that is because I think for many men in our culture and in our society, I'm not sure we ever really knew when growing up happened or like when we went from, we were allowed to be little boys and now we're men. That seems to just keep going further and further out. Yes, and so, um, yeah. And, and, yeah. I mean, there's a reason for that. Yeah. Well, there's a reason for that, that because we fundamentally, so James Hollis, who's a Jungian psychologist, he's the guy that like Raw and Roll Heiser get a ton of their sort of midlife, okay. second half of life stuff. He was the head of the um, Jungian society. Just to pause for one sec, can you hear this barking chihuahua? <laughs> Very distant in the background. Okay, the it's- chihuahua is famous on every podcast I do. <laughs> My daughter has recently gone to college and this dog is like emotionally, emotionally traumatized. Oh, oh no. She has, this dog has to be held at all times. And my wife is um, about to go somewhere and deal with this anyway. So I'm sorry if you have to cut. Now That's all right, man. No, no, we, we don't cut in this podcast because okay, people gotcha. hear, well, they hear I mean, kids maybe, screaming in the background. Maybe Pixie will come and make a, uh, yeah. a, a, a statement. So anyway, Hollis basically says all societies had a blueprint. Most of them never talk to each other, but they all seem to understand this. When a boy hits somewhere around the age of 13, 12 or 13, hits puberty and then all of a sudden is dealing with all of these new energies that drive him out of himself. They're sort of like quest or discovery energies. They're attraction to the opposite sex. It is desire to test himself against other people his age. It is desire to be around older men to sort of take risks, that sort of thing. So there's a whole bunch of like psychological, physiological development that's happening. He said, so society's realized if they didn't form those energies in productive ways, young men would destroy themselves. Mm. So what they ended up doing was basically they had this six-step process that almost all societies had. Step one, violent removal from childhood context. 
young boys would sometimes be abducted by the community of men in the middle of the night, or they they basically had a moment where it was like, it's over. Like you've got to put away childish things. Secondly, mm. they had a ceremony or a moment of severing that consciously helped them see you are now entering into liminal space. So mm. it was like you are now a part of a journey. Then the older men in the community would teach them three main things. Number one, the story of their tribe or group. So they had a sense of context. Number two, their religion and their their basically sacred rites. And then number three, mastering the roles that were required in order to participate as a functional member of that society. Mm. After that formation process was done, they would send them out onto what they would call the ordeal. And the ordeal was where the young man had to see if he had it within him to take all of those things he'd learned and face reality on his own. So the Mm. Messiah had to go kill a lion. In Australia, a young Aboriginal man had to spend upwards of six months in the Australian outback Wow! where everything that you see wants to kill you. And then after that, they would be welcomed back if they made it through the ordeal and the men would basically bless them and acknowledge them as a part of the community of men. Wow. And then they would be reintegrated into a larger sense of society. So there's a conscious separating. There's a conscious death of childhood. There's a formation process. There's a challenge process. There's a recognition process and a reintegration process. So when you're asking the question, how does a guy who has basically probably played violent video games, looked at porn, struggled in real life to get a girl living with his parents, like none of that has happened for him. Right. He has no moments or sense of understanding about any of that stuff. And so what's ended up happening is that people are lost. Best case scenario, they self-initiate, which is a very lonely process later Mm -hmm. in life to realize you have to self-initiate. What would that look like? Well, I mean, it's like, you know, radical promiscuity. It's trying drugs. It's hanging around with older guys. It's taking unwise risks because you have to test yourself. Yeah. And if you don't have a guide for what's happening psychologically and, and physically, you're just out there trying to do it. Now, Rollheiser says this, which I mentioned in the book. Rollheiser says, we look at how some of these ancient tribes did it, and we're like, that's barbaric. Mm. I mean, this is barbaric. You know, some of them, they'd circumcise a 13-year-old. Imagine that. You'd mm. like late life circumcision, not fun. Radic, you know, like often like painful, painful initiations. Mm. And we say that's barbaric. He says, well, you want to know what's barbaric? How many young people kill themselves because they have no one to guide them through the the challenges of the teenage years? Mm. And I think that is basically what's happened in modern society. They did research NYU as to when helicopter parenting began. They said it was 1990. There was something that happened around the year 1990. There's several theories why when parents basically began hovering over their children's lives. Mm. You know what happened in the next generation of kids? Anxiety and depression rose by 80% in one generation because they know they had suppressed all of these natural urges and they had no way to self-actualize. And it was just their parents crushing their spirits. And so people were depressed and they weren't handed the skills and journey they needed. So to me, we are currently at epidemic levels. Rates of depression since between 2009 and 2016 have gone up by 90% since wow. then, which was wow. already way up from previous generations. So, you know, I didn't write this book because I was looking for something to do. I wrote it because I loved my son and mm. wanted to help him through these years. Yeah. Realized I didn't have this happen to me. And as I was doing it, I just had a bunch of dads like, what is that, man? 
Right. And so I ended up putting it together because I feel like the stakes are so high right now. So that's a little bit about the background, the story, some of the psychological framing that I think is necessary to sort of get into it. But man, yeah, it's, it's the need of the hour. Yeah. I mean, we've got a world full of, uh, of boys who are now men and they, they still feel like boys and, and longing yes. for that, looking for purpose and adventure and identity in all kinds of yeah. places and just don't know where to find it. It's destructive. And our women are suffering. Our families are suffering. Our workplaces, communities, everything's suffering as a result of that. How did you get to the point, you know, you have your son and at what point did you make a decision like, oh, I need to have a, an intentional path for him so that he doesn't just follow everyone else, just kind of yeah. naturally go I, from boyhood to manhood. I was in Bible college at the time when my wife got pregnant with my son. I was working as a butcher at Albertsons. Nice. Driving home from the doctor's office where they said, it's a boy. I just remember thinking, holy crap. Yeah. I do not have what it takes to form this kid properly. I dropped out of high school when I was 16. Mm. And I uh, worked in a in a meat factory, and so like I was formed in my ad- I started working there when I was fourteen. I was formed in my adolescent years by basically godless, violent pagan butchers. Butcher shop, yeah, but, yeah, man. Like, like, it's, like it's everything you think. <laughs> I did an apprenticeship, yeah. so I started out like as a grommet, ended as a master with grommets under me that I would sort of like pay it down to. Dang. And so I didn't have like I had very strong male formation which I was very grateful for, but a lot of it was toxic. And I just remember mm. thinking, I don't know the path to help my son. So the seeds were sown when he was born. And then when I was a youth pastor in Franklin, Tennessee, I was assigned to do campus outreach. I kept bumping into these kids and they were just heads and shoulders above the kids in my youth group. Mm. And so I talked to them and I found out they were all Mormons. And so I, mm. I reached out to one of the, the local Mormon leaders and um, he said, he basically walked me through their formation process. They have hands laid on them. They're given a priesthood, which means they have to accept responsibility. They do a thing called seminary where for an hour before school every day, freshman, sophomore, junior, high school year, they study Old Testament, New Testament, Doctrine and Covenants, Pearl of Great Price, then the Book of Mormon. Then they're sent out on their ordeal, which is a two-year mission. And at that point, they're welcomed back. They're reintegrated into Mormon society, understanding, you know, they basically have the six steps. Yeah. And then they, and you know, so it's like, why is Mormonism the fastest growing religion in America? They win young people's hearts through formation more than anything. Wow. So I was like, gosh, I was a youth pastor doing, you know, playing marshmallow games and, <laughs> you know, to putting on a sumo seat suit to make the kids laugh, you know? I mean, gosh, we don't have this. And so that's like, that's when my son was two, two and a half. And then I just remember thinking, okay, I got to figure this out. So that started like a long process of reading the canon on men's ministries. And Mm. I kept coming across this one theme. Men's ministry books are written by broken men whose dads didn't get it right. Yeah, It's all father wound material. Mm. And I remember just thinking like, where's the book where they lay out like a logical sequential plan from adolescence into manhood, almost like going to college, you know, you get your freshman year, like this whole formation process. And that book didn't really exist. So there was a couple of noble efforts, but they were either like take him on a camping trip and bless him and write some letters. And I was like, yeah, but dude, I got six more years and every day with this kid, like these big sporadic events, I'm sure they can be very potent and meaningful, but like, you're not going to win the formation war against video games and porn and peer pressure and Netflix and all of that stuff with a couple of big trips. 
Right. So I was like, okay, I got to build something a little more comprehensive. And, you know, I'm a content guy, I'm a pastor. And so I just basically took the skills I possess around strategic planning and vision and just applied them to my family, Mm. in particular, my son, and then came up with this, had a vision, who do I want him to be when he leaves home? And then just reverse engineered it, built a calendar and got into it. Yeah. I want to get into that. I want to talk about what is the goal and then how did you work backwards? How can guys do that? I want to get into that, but I just wanted to say a quick note there because I think we actually have a lot of guys in ministry and a lot of maybe even youth pastors listening, man, rise up to more like the marshmallow games and the sumo, like that's all fun, but kids can find fun anywhere. Man, if, if we had people in ministry equipping dads to say, Let, no, let's just, let's train these young men to be men of God, man. And to be honest with you, I wasn't just doing that. I was getting kids <laughs> up at 4am to pray for revival in their high schools. Yeah, like I, yeah, I yeah. But what I was, I was intense, but not intentional. Mm. Do you know what I mean? I was like, I was doing this. I was like trying, but I just didn't really have what you would call like a scope and sequence. I didn't have like, I didn't know how to lay it out. And so I was just doing everything I knew with all my heart. And just some of that stuff was effective. Like that those men that I discipled are now in their mid thirties. And some of them are like really walking with God in just very, very compelling ways. But it's like, okay, I need to build this. Why, my big question was like, why am I writing this book? Why doesn't this exist? Mm. Why isn't this total normalized? So, you know, there's some other things that will do like a man year. And I'm like, dude, I love that. That is so much better than nothing, but it is also not enough. Yeah. You need more than a man year. You're going to have this kid for six years. Yeah. You need six years of intentionality. And, and the book that I think was sort of the gold standard, Raising a Modern Day Knight, Mm-hmm. You know, like, to be honest, we just dated. Yeah. So like try and inspire a 13 year old kid. Hey, you're going to be a modern day knight. He's like, he know, doesn't sorry, even know what a, like what's a knight. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And so I was like, <laughs> yeah. I called it originally the primal path because I wanted it to sound like mysterious and like dangerous sort of. Yeah. So it wasn't designed like to be late nineties men's ministry. It was designed to win a 13 year old's heart, which was my son. Right. Yeah. So Let's go there. Let's go all the way to the end. What was the goal? Like, what was the vision you set out? Okay, here's when he's 19 and I send him off into the world, which by the way, I say that to my son almost daily. Son, one day I'm going to walk you outside of these doors and send you out. You know, like, so he knows, like, he knows that's the goal for dad. Dad is training me for something. But I love what you said. And I think a lot of guys are going to relate to this intense, but not intentional. I love that phrase. There's probably a lot of dudes listening to this podcast right now is like, I'm intense, man. I'm listening to the Dad Tired podcast. I am trying my best to be the man God's calling me to be. Don't really know intentionality. Don't really know where I'm going here. So I'm intense, but not intentional. So what was the goal? And then let's start walking backwards. How did how did Yeah, I mean, one of the one of the exercises I've got in there, I talk about a little bit more, but it's like apparently the army do this. I didn't know this. Someone was like, Did you get this from the army? And I was like, dude, I'm theologically like almost a pacifist. Okay. So I'm not like studying mil- the military. Okay. I was like, who do I want my son to be? Like, what character do I want to see in? What do I want him to be able to do? Like, what skills does he have? I read the book, Shop Class, a Soul Craft. Yes. Yeah, Shop Class, a Soul Craft. It's a book about like men getting skills in the real world. If you haven't read that book, it's just an extra, it's required yeah. reading for dads. Okay. Yeah, it basically says men should be able to do stuff. Like we just had a big storm and like one of the, the gutters on our building came down. I went out, got a ladder out and fixed it. You know what that felt? That felt good. Yeah. Doing stuff in the real world. Yeah. It's like, it's just like you, you want your son to be able to have real world skills. Right. 
And then what do you want him to know? It's a complicated world out there. How do you help him to be a person of wisdom? So it was like no be, do, and then character formation skill. Then what experiences are going to help facilitate these things? And then how do I basically work backwards and build it out? So my, my vision was that my son would have like the character of Jesus, the skill of like a masterful jack of all trades, just like, mm. bro, let me help with that. And he could. And um, then he'd have, yeah, knowledge, skill, and he'd understand how to basically navigate the complexities of secularism in our modern world. Mm. Did he know when he turned 13, he was entering into this? Or oh, heck it- yeah, bro. I mean, I did like, I built out major suspense. Mm. Hey man, when you hit 13, you're about to take on the primal path, man. I mean, are you ready? Yeah. I've got so the, the thing I did well, I filmed all of this. So I've got him oh. on the night of his initiation wow. with all of his friends in a little cohort, like, where are we going? I don't even, you know, it's it's yeah. like honestly remarkable to watch. Anticipation, and we gave him this big speech. So my plan was he runs into the beach off the coast of New York to okay. kick it off. Okay. And he is this runs on his into- birthday. Is this on his birthday? Like 13? Uh, no, I, it, was, it was so I actually tried to do it. And it was very, very close to his birthday, but I did it with a few other guys, a few other dads and their sons. So, so we basically did it around that time. Yep. Okay. I think he turned 13 in June. And I think we did this in August. Yes, it is in August. Yeah. And then the goal was for him to run into the beach off the coast of Spain in a town called Finisterre, where the pilgrims who did the Camino officially ended their journey. Wow. And so I was like, I wanted to bookend it, like 13 into the ocean, 19 into the ocean. Wow. Everything in between. So at 13, so we give him this big, so he's terrified and excited. We give him on the initiation, we take him down the beach. We give him this big speech about recovering the lost past of manhood and how we found it all. And here's what the next years are going to look like. And here's the ordeal you're going to go through. And I don't know if you're going to make it or not because it's so intense. Just put the fear of God in them. <laughs> and then they all, uh, you know, stripped down to their shorts or whatever, and then ran into the ocean. And that was like the beginning of it. And uh, yeah. And then, then I sort of like filled out the years between then with an intentional calendar of like stuff I wanted to work on. And then, I, yeah. Yeah. I want to hear about some of that stuff. So you said there was daily, monthly, yearly from 13 to 19. The 18 to 19, he was in a gap year. So he was like all over the world. Okay. So I guess the daily content was, yeah, it was five years. Okay. So what is the, what daily stuff, what did you do? Daily stuff we would get up. It's different for everybody. Like the number one thing you would do wrong is compare yourself. Your son is different than my son. Yeah. You are different than me. You got to find your mojo, find your rhythm. Okay. But I mean, the people tell us form, formation happens in, in two major things. It's breakthrough and it's process. It's big moments and daily things. Hmm. And so some people are good at big moments and terrible at the daily. Mm-hmm. Some people are good at the daily. They're not good at the big moments. I think you need both of those things. So I basically took the things that I wanted to walk him through over the course of this time that I'd written out, which was a series of shifts, you know, from like, how do you know if you're moving from boyhood to manhood? Mm-hmm. So I said, here's five shifts to happen in your heart in order to understand that. Mm. Then here's the roles you have to master. Then, you know, like, here's how to discover yourself. So like, it's, a, it's all, all sort of laid out. And then in the mornings, we would get up before he would go to school and I only did this on weekdays. Didn't do it on the weekends. There's too much going on. But on the weekends, we would, we would sometimes do the big things. I would say to most, so what I did, most dads won't do, but I had like literally so much content floating around as a pastor. I mean, I had like a crates of records as a DJ to just mix it up. Hmm. 
what I recommend people is they do basically a section of scripture and a quote and a question a day. Hmm. That's it. It can be a verse. It can be like, so we studied, you know, Joseph, David, we went through all the sort of like the major men in the Bible and you just break it up. You read a little section then you have a quote about the big idea. Then you ask one provocative question. And I'm telling you, if you ask questions, right, what you would draw out of your son, how you will help him think. So I'll give you an example of the best question I ever asked my son. This led to like a three-hour convo. Mm. The question was, you're at your friend's house and he is dating a girl that his parents do not want him to date. He goes to the toilet. The parents corner you and they ask, tell us the truth, yes or no. Is he dating that girl? How do you respond? Go. Mm. And he's like, oh, dad, you can't. You can't do me like that. I mean, oh, oh, you know, and so he's working through like situational ethics. When is it like to like, okay, to lie? Is this like a Nazi journey? We're honey Jews, what Jews? Like he went so far into it, ultimately concluded it's an unfair scenario it's a, and it's an unhealthy power dynamic. And that you need to say, you need to have this conversation with your son. I'm uncomfortable being drawn into this. Wow. But long, long time processing that. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, like you, Jesus asked questions that we're still talking about today. Right. So to me, it's like a little bit of scripture, a quote, and there's like a thousand quote websites. Just Google the topic. Right. Not hard. And then we would have uh, like a little leather journal that we would just sort of like write it in every day. You know, so you had this amazing pen, this leather journal with all these notebooks. I had this this uh, foot locker, this huge like military box that soldiers used to have mm. that he put all this stuff in and kept it in. And we just ground out years worth of content like that. And then we would do books like on a particular topic. So we were studying uh, when we were doing the section on how to be wise. We did a whole unit on people skills. And man, we banged out like probably six John Maxwell books. Mm. We did, you know, how to win friends and influence people, Mm -hmm. did did a ton of stuff like that. So I would supplement readings with books that had very short chapters that Mm -hmm. like, you know, a 15-year-old could, and and those John Maxwell, like um, 17 characteristics of a team player, those Mm -hmm. kinds of books, my son loved those. And then every time he'd finish a book, I'd take him out for barbecue in New Mm. York. Mm. As I said, then we did a thing called man school Uh and man school. So that was the content. And then man school was the skill acquisition. Hmm. It was like you had to do the stuff. And so it was honestly, it was a little bit like Project Mayhem in Fight Club. So we had like little challenges you had to do every week. Then we sit down, how did it go? Like what, what, what were some of the challenges? Yeah, you know, so you, you have to, if there's a girl you like, you have to ask her out on a date. Like wow. you've got to initiate contact. Wow. And it could be super simple. Hey, do you want to have lunch with me? Whatever. But like you must make contact with a girl that you're interested in. Wow. And then you must report back on how it went. Man. You know, like, oh, I mean, dude, just all that stuff. Hey guys, I hope you're enjoying today's interview so far. Just want to take a quick minute to remind you that we have the Dad Tired Guide to Basic Bible Study. If you have not pre-ordered a copy of this journal yet, I highly recommend that you go to dadtired.com forward slash Bible study. Pick one up now. A lot of guys want to be in God's word more. They don't know where to begin and they don't know how to interpret all the things that they're reading. So if you feel stuck on how to study the word of God, go to dadtired.com forward slash Bible study, pre-order a copy of the Dad Tired Guide to Basic Bible Study so that you can get started today. Now, let's jump back into today's interview with John Tyson. There's so many guys who I hear that. I'm like, gosh, I wish I had that. I wish I had a, what I would have given in those years, 13 to 19 
to have a dad, you know, a man say, here's what you're going to do. And then you're going to report back. I'm walking through it. I tell my son all the time. I keep telling him because mm-hmm. so, he'll watch me shave or he'll watch me do, you know, all the man stuff that I normal care for your, a man's body. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, dude, this is you soon. Like you're going to get that. You're going to get a little unibrow. We got to get that. We got to get, you're going to get some acne mm-hmm. on your face. I, I'm like, see this yes. pimple. It's going to happen to you here soon. And I just keep telling him, I'm like, it's going to be scary. You're going to feel all kinds of weird things, but I'm going to be with you the whole time. I'm going to walk you through the whole thing. And so just to have that confidence as a young boy, it's like, I'm going well, through stuff. Know, yeah, man. It's so powerful. I mean, like the other day I was talking to my son and I mean, just, he just volunteered this to me and it just like, it brought me to tears later. You know, he mm. said, yeah, I don't even know how he got onto it. I think I was talking about like, which school did you like? You've got people moving here who goes to schools like, hey, you went to public school, private school, Christian school. Like, yeah. what was it like growing up in New York? And after the whole convo, he said this to me. He said, he said Dad, I just want you to know you're a good dad. Jeez. When I look back through my life, there's all of these memories that are meant to be there. And I have every one of them because you Jeez. did it right. Oh my gosh. And bro, I'm just like, oh, yeah, send I me mean, home, Jesus. That's what it. If, like, <laughs> that's as good as you can hope for. He just yeah. like, just said that because he was recollecting about different years of his life. And I was like, well, okay, man, like, like, you know, what are some of the ones that stood out? And he's like, you know, when we like bailed on school and you took me to see Star Wars, the <laughs> Sith Lord or whatever. And I was like, yeah, man. And he's just like, he, they were all so present to him. Mm. He could just rattle them off all these things that really shaped him. Mm. So, yeah, man, I mean, that's the, to have a guide to help you navigate the complexities of this very challenging, confusing, emotional, erotic years. You know, it's like to have a guide. What else is there? You know, what were the monthly and yearly things? So I would do these things. So, so the, the yearly, they weren't quite yearly. Like whenever I would finish a unit. Okay. Like five shifts, every boy has to make to move into manhood. Here's what a boy is. So the first one's from ease to difficulty. Boys want ease, men embrace difficulty. Mm. And that's Richard Raw's rule, life is hard, modified in contrast. So a kid can see progress in it. Mm. Yeah. So like my son hates heights to this day. He's like, fear of heights, phobia. And we'd done all the content, studied all the stuff. I was like, bro, we are going to the highest ropes course in Australia to do this. (laughs) And he's like, no, we are not. I was like, oh, 100% we are. (laughs) So we did the highest ropes course in Australia. And he passed it with flying colors. And I was like, nice. he'll remember that forever. Yeah. You know, I wanted to show him in physical form. Hey, man, this stuff you've learned, you can do it. It was like a small part of the ordeal. Yeah. So you want to show you. So basically, in order for things to work, it's, you know, you basically, you got to have knowledge, which you understand. You have to have attitude, which gives you the motivation. But then you got to have the skill. You got to do the stuff. Hmm. And so it's sort of like this, which is like, let me teach you what it is. Let me motivate you to do it. And then here's the challenge. Let's go do this. Yeah. And then at the end of it, I would give him like great rewards, stuff he really wanted. Yeah. Stuff like that, man. So you said you did something monthly too. Was the, what was the monthly one? Did I miss it? Oh, so monthly was basically like, yeah, the, the man school. So I do man school weekly, which is like report back on the homework. And then we, we just do fun stuff together. Yeah. So like, okay, man, let's love that. It was, this was often with friends of his. So dads would go out. So, you know, we went on a, a trip up to West Point, for example, watched mm. a football game, 
hung out, saw the discipline, understood the military. This is where young men are formed, mm. had a bunch of fun, that sort of stuff. So just sort of like cohort time, hanging out with a crew, all these yeah. dads working with their sons, sort of like relying on each other to, to help get it through. How much of it was that? Like you had other, how many other guys were involved in this process? between 13 and 19. Well, I mean, the problem with New York is that nobody stays here very long. Mm. I've been here 16 years, mate. I'm a dinosaur. There's very, very few people that you mm. meet Interesting. that have been in Manhattan 16 years. I mean, if you're from New York, but everyone just moves on. So two of those dads left the city with their sons mm. and then tragically one of them died oh, man. of cancer. So when we're doing the Camino, you have to carry an item and then you, there's this hill where you take it and there's this cross where you lay down this burden. And uh, I went to the funeral of that dad, one of mm. Nate's closest friends who died, who was meant to be with us the whole way, mm. carried it from his funeral in his honor all the way up to this hill in the middle of the Camino, laid wow. it down. Wow. But it was like, it was really, really meaningful, very moving. So yeah, started with a crew and ended up with me and Nate. Wow. It's just because people moved. John Mark does a similar i did a similar thing with his son are you familiar is, with how his looks compared to how yours so looked? john mark is using my material okay yeah he's one of my closest friends so he did a yeah, um, i know you guys were close i just didn't know how similar they looked oh bro i mean he's locked in dude he calls me on the reg and is like dude this stuff's killing me it's like so much work and i'm like it is yeah but i'm actually going jude turns 16 in november Hmm. And uh, for his 16th birthday, we are doing this amazing, amazing, like dads and sons trip into the wilderness. In, uh, on either, I think it's like adventure cars or some psycho thing. And then I'm teaching <laughs> these principles at night to the dads. Wow. wow. So, yeah, man, he's rolling it out. I mean, Jude's such a wonderful young man, super intense personality. He took it to another level. He shaved his son's head and he's, he's saw, growing like, his hair out until Jude's hair is like this long now. Yeah. Know? I, I just saw. saw him two weeks ago. You know, one thing you were talking about is the the daily thing where you read, do a quote, and then you ask a question. I love the question part because some of the, I always say this, some of the best leaders I've ever met in my life are the best question askers. When I think about the guys who have formed and shaped me, all of my memories are of them asking me questions. <laughs> it was never like, you know, just let me sit down and teach you a principle. It was always, let me ask you a question. Mm. And so I think just the best leaders are the best question askers. So I mm. like the idea that, you know, like the John Maxwell books, I know a lot of those have questions built in because a lot of guys are just like, I don't know what to ask my son. And I don't know. Yeah. How do you get to that point where you're like, bring it? Do you have any advice on that for like just you good know, question asking? It's like you just put reps in, man. You see what works mm. and doesn't work. Yeah. You know, and it's like, again, you've got to find the keys to your son's heart. So, yeah, I mean, you could Google asking better questions and you'll pull up 20 websites on how to do it. Right. Open-ended rather than closed. My sweet spot was posing moral dilemmas, like yeah. the moral dilemma questions that made them think, that brought them into the pain. And I got that from being a youth pastor. Yeah. Like I remember as a youth pastor, there was this curriculum and the whole curriculum was like moral dilemmas on every topic. Mm. And so I was like, okay, I, I can't even remember what they were called. I just remember mm. these things work with the kids. And I was like, I'm doing this with my son. Yeah. So yeah, man, I just, I would just figure it out. So I would try and make them age appropriate. I would modify the illustrations, you know? So like, I think Nate was big into Minecraft yeah. when the kids were like back when Minecraft was a thing. Yeah. I think and it's it was still like, a thing. 
thing and stuff. Is it? Okay. Yeah, so <laughs> he had um, like we had all the porn filters on all of his devices or whatever. But apparently in Minecraft, people can drop like cards or something. Drop what? They can drop like there's like a shared little clubhouse thingy inside oh, of it. Yeah, I don't know. They can about leave. It, yeah. Yeah, dude, they can leave messages inside your house oh, or whatever. Interesting. And so I was like, okay, so a dilemma. Like, what do you do if there's like a picture of a girl that someone leaves mm. in Minecraft? Do mm. you tell me or not? Why? Oh, <laughs> you know, as it turns out, it's like, oh, that already happened. You know, it was like, okay, let's talk about it. Yeah. Why didn't you tell me then? What did you think would happen? Yeah. And again, I'm a big, I mean, you know, Beekner is my boy, man. I mean, listen to your life. That's yeah. where God's moving. Teach your son to listen to his life. Hmm. Why is this happening? Like, I would often ask questions about his friends. Okay, you have a friend who's doing this. What does that make you think about this? Hmm. Who in your class is the fill in the blank sort of kid? Hmm. What do you think is happening in their home? You know, you're just probing and probing. Yeah. There's an app that was from an article in the New York Times, and it's like 36 questions of increasing intensity. And these questions, like many people said that after going through these 36 questions with people, that there's like ways they measure the sociology of connection. Mm. They found people after going through these 36 questions felt deeper and more known and understood often than they did by their families because wow. they were intentional and they go deep. You just Google like maybe it's 39 questions. Anyway, Nate and I did one of those every day on the Camino and dude, he could not get enough. I think first mm. question is like if you could have – a meal with any person uh, living or dead, who would it be and why? Hmm. You know, so that's where it starts. And then it, yeah. it goes deep, man. All so right, yeah, we'll I think again, that you, that show notes, yeah. the right point you're on, which is like questions expose their hearts, not a yeah. content dump. Right. Yeah. What did the end, you said it started with a notion, ended with notion. What did it look like at the end? Oh my, I mean, honestly, one of the, just the most, I mean, meaningful moments of my life. Hmm. So we've just done 33 days hiking across Spain. Hmm. It is the hottest heat wave in Spain's history. And Nate and I are doing between 13 and 19 miles a day. I've got blisters that are down to the bone. I'm duct taping my feet up. It takes me 30 Jeez. minutes a morning. Like oh the skin God. is melting off my oh feet. My God. So all of the stuff like all the literature, like you know, liminality and communitas, all these phrases are journey metaphors. Hmm. And so, you know, you're doing something very physically hard. It's power bonding. There's nothing to do but talk six hours sometimes. And at the end of it, you do 33 days, you walk into, into the cathedral in Santiago, Deacon Pastella, and you get in and you're just like, I can't believe it. So, I've, man, I videoed all this. I've got mm -hmm. so much footage of this trip. Mm. And then you can do a bonus like 70 miles or so, and it gets to a town called Finisterre. And Finisterre is the town where the Camino officially ended, and you would have to leave something on the shore. And you used to be able to burn it, put it in a pile and burn it, but so many people did it. It was like jacking up the town, so you're not allowed uh, to do yeah. it anymore. Yeah. So Nate and I rent this house. There's a private cove off the couch in this little place, Tyson Cove, we named it. It's got some name. And I had these letters that I had carried from all these men that had spoken into Nate's life. Wow. These like letters of blessing. And then I'd written every memory of affirmation that I could remember from his life into this letter to him. Jeez. So I'd taken down, I'd given him these two 
I was a big fan of the Daily Stoic. I don't know if you're familiar with Ryan Holiday's stuff. Mm-hmm. They were some yeah. of Nate's favorite books. Ego mm-hmm. is the enemy, obstacle is the way, mm-hmm. stillness is the key. We love that stuff. And he would give like these stoic medals, which were almost like Boy Scout badges, except they're like in a case and mm-hmm. they, you know, like um, so anyway, they're all Latin phrases. And I held two of them. And I carried him on the whole trip and I had him for years. And I said, Nate, if you finish the Camino, if you finish the primal path, I will give you these two medals. You will have earned them. These are the like signs of manhood for you. They're tokens. Mm-hmm. One of them is a token where if you do this, I will pay for your college. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's like, I'll pay for your tuition. You got to pay your living expenses. You got to have skin in the game. And the other one is if you finish this, I will max out a Roth IRA for you as a gift. Wow. So that for the rest of your life, when you're 60 years old and you've got a hundred grand from what you did when you were 19, you know the power of manhood over the course of time. So I've got all this stuff. We go down in this cove. Nobody else is there. It's me and him. It's the close of the day. Perfect scenario. And I just sit him down and I just just basically try to give him the you are my beloved son in whom Mm. I'm well pleased moment. Mm. I read these letters over him, give him these gifts tell him what it means, you know, all these affirmations from these other men. And I'm like, it is time for your, for like, this is the official baptism into manhood. Mm. And I, so I filmed all this, like he runs into the ocean and then he comes out with his hands raised. Oh, man. And I, and I just yell out, behold, a man emerges from the ocean. <laughs> oh, man. And, you know, and then we hug and I pray for him again on the beach. And then the final stage, I don't, I don't know if you can see this. Yeah. That this is, we got a matching tattoo. That is the route of the Camino that we hiked. Oh, wow. And so we basically turned it, you know, like, so he's got that in the same place in his arm. And I was like, hey, that was the final stage. Like physical marker will carry our whole lives. You have completed this journey. You are a man. You are blessed. You are welcome into the community of men. Wow. Uh, that, uh, that got me teary-eyed, man, that, that picture. Oh. It's a weep fest. Yeah. I'm sitting there just like a total weep fest and we couldn't burn anything. So we put all of our stuff into a pile and sort of like (laughs) observed it. And then we threw it in a bin. We're like, Mm -hmm. see you later, man. Putting behind childish things, they're done. Man. So in his mind, he has a psychological before and after. He's got a marker. It's like a baptism almost, which, you know, a baptism, you've got a new name, new identity. You've died to something. That's why I wanted that water to be symbolic. And so he's yeah. got a reference point in his man. Ask my son, how do you know you're a man? And he'll give you that answer. Well, I did the six-year journey with my father. I did a gap here at the end of it. We did this huge ordeal together. I ran into the ocean and, my, and I was officially blessed as a man. Yeah. What a gift. Huge you know? gift. Huge yeah. gift. I think a lot of guys that are listening to this right now are going to be inspired to do something. A lot of guys are going to feel inspired and at the same time, completely overwhelmed. Because what you just described feels like, oh, bro, like I, I can barely like get through my cup of coffee before it gets cold. Like I don't even know what I'm you know, doing, but for today, so having a daily plan, a monthly plan, a yearly plan, it feels overwhelming. So uh, yes, I'll, yes. I'll I'll let you jump into that. <laughs> I thought real quick. Well, I mean, look, man. I mean, here's your choice. Ready? Go through six years being overwhelmed, and have regret when your son leaves the house. Mm. That's it. Yep. You got to level up. Yep. That's yep. it. And there's no, there's no easy answer. There's no, I know it's really hard. And it's like, it's like, if you don't do this for your son, you will pass on that broken crap you hate in your life. Mm. Do something about it. 
Wow. That's, I mean, it, that's it. It's, there's no like, yeah, I know it's so hard. It is hard. We all know that. You know what's harder? Your son being like lost to the world. That is harder. Yeah. So to me, I mean, now that being said, that's my hard word. Yeah. Now here's the comforting word. You know, <laughs> comforting word is most, you said that this podcast for the most part is dealing with dads of younger kids. Mm-hmm. Okay. I planned this for 10 years before my son did this. Mm. I was working on this from two to 13 in wow. one way, shape or form or another. Yeah. And what I've tried to do with a book, honestly, is I've tried to like, so I get a lot of dads reach out and I see, but my son's only three. Should I read this book? I'm like, absolutely. Yeah. You will have a paradigm in your mind. You will not be winging it. You know, I felt like Indiana Jones, man. Each step was in thin air and I was sort of yeah. like making it up. Yeah. So to me, it's like, you got time to plan for this. I mean, look, I'm a pastor. I'm not wealthy. I, I didn't have money for this. I saved up for these trips. I prayed the resources in. I, you know, so it's, I, I tried to put that planning process in. So to me, you can start working on this stuff now. And honestly, what I did is like as a part of my daily devotions, I wrote the devotion for my son. Mm. And it's honest, it's not that hard to say, let me take the life of David and then like break it into little bits and just have a question. Yeah. Like you, you can do that. Yeah. You can do that. And honestly, if you're too overwhelmed to do that, you need to re-examine your entire life. Your problem is not with your son. Your problem is with your whole life. So to me, it's like you got to make time for that. So I would say, here's the exchange I made that paid off. I got really convicted about how much time each week I would spend. Basically, for me, it was watching documentaries. Okay? Mm. Netflix wasn't around back then. I think actually when I was doing this, you had to send the DVDs off. Okay? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't have energy to go to a post office box. So I made a conscious decision and the decision was this. I would reinvest the time I was putting into TV and to working on this for my son. Mm. That was it. It was an exchange. So you don't have, I guess what I'm saying is like, you are maxed out because your life is full. You're not going to be able to throw this on top of it. You got to cut something out. What will you cut out? And it's an exchange for your son's destiny. And to me, when I realized how high those stakes were, it was actually a pretty easy, and you could even do this by cutting your stuff down by 50%. Yeah. You know, so it's like, hey, I will watch one episode a week as opposed to binging a series a week. Yeah. Like one of my friends did, he said, I switched watching the full game for the ESPN highlights and gave that time to developing my son. Bro, man, come on. Man, I had a mentor one time make me, and you know, make me sounds intense, but he, he put me through an exercise where for a week I had to track all of my spending and all of my time. Yeah. And at the end of it, he's like, you don't have a time issue. You got an intentionality issue. Yeah. Uh, times, you have plenty of time. It's just yeah. intentionality. And it was, it's very convicting. And what you're saying, there are a lot of dudes listening right now, myself included, who, can be like, who feel, ah, oh, crap. You can't argue with that. What you're yeah, saying but is- so I, Again, I think I'm on the other side of it. Like, If you were to observe my day, so I, I pastor a large church in the middle of Manhattan. When I was doing this, we were planting one new church a year. Wow. So my schedule was maxed out. You know, I mean, we had so much stuff. So I had to take time from myself. That's what sacrifice is Mm -hmm. and give it back to my son. If you looked at my life, my life didn't look that different than anybody else. Hmm. It was just small daily decisions I made 30 minutes here, an hour there that didn't like, it didn't look heroic. It 
barely was noticeable, but the compound effect yeah. over the course of time of doing this. So it didn't just result in like my son, it resulted in this book. Yeah. And I, again, I was so sad to have to write this book. Why didn't this book exist? Yeah. Where was the go-to resource? Like, hey, man, your son's turning 13. Bro, I got one book for you. Here's where it is. Yeah. Why did I have to write this after 2,000 years of following Jesus? Yeah. Why we, what went wrong? Yeah. And so, again, you never know what God will do in your community through your example. You may end up inspiring all the dads around you. You may end up, you know, changing the destiny of 40 other young men because you level up as a dad or changing the culture of your church or your workplace. Yep. And I think it's such a visceral need. I haven't done a podcast yet where at some point the person doing it hasn't said, I'm tearing up Yeah. because it is so deep in our spirits. We yeah. know it is, a, it is a foundational longing and ache. And I just want to say like, it's so worth it. And when my son left, I'm telling you, I just took a giant exhale and I was like, I am tired. Now I got a daughter. I did a completely different thing with my daughter called 50 Pieces of My Heart. Hmm. 50 deposits every dad needs to make in his daughter's life. I mean, that was like a whole nother thing. Yeah. But I'm just telling you, I took TV time and gave it to my children. Hmm. And both of them would say, I mean, I dropped my daughter at college and this one will make me weep. You know, she was walking around genuinely introducing me to people. And she's like, you've got to meet my dad. He's literally the wisest man you will ever oh, meet. Jeez. And she didn't even know she was saying this. And that night we're at the hotel, my wife was like, did you hear wow. the honor your daughter voluntarily gave you yeah. upon injury? Like you've got it. She was bringing her friends over to meet you because she was so proud of who you were as a man. Yeah, you are going to make me cry, man. You can't, you can't yeah. do that stuff. Yeah. So I'm like sitting in my room just going, dude, you know what I did when I liked a show? I read the Wikipedia cliff notes and imagined the show. Hmm. I just would like, okay, now I think I can see how that went. Just gave that time to my kids. We know that greatness, biblical greatness, is like, was Jordan great? Well, maybe, but it wasn't biblically great because he sacrificed everything for himself. Mm. Biblical greatness is sacrificing yourself for others. And to be a great dad is not huge accomplishments. It's not having a second house. It's not getting your kids into the best schools. It is sacrificing for your children. And when to hear a child say, my dad was a great man, they don't mean he was accomplished in ways his peers recognized. They mean he sacrificed for me and put me first. And the thing is, like, every dad can be biblically great. Yeah. Every dad can be biblically great. So that's what I want to call people to. I want to say you can do it. Stay yeah. the course. The level of, like, I've made so many mistakes in my life, but I'm telling you, when I look at my kids, my kids aren't perfect, by the way. This is both of them deeply wrestled with their faith. Like I'm trying to disciple my son and he's like, I don't think I want to be a Christian. You know, and here I am like doing this thing. Yeah, yeah. So we work yeah. through that. And my daughter went through a season of like profound rebellion that literally like wrenched my soul into. Mm. But I'm like, I try and imagine how all of that would have happened if I hadn't been disconnected to them. I would have lost them. Yeah. I would have lost them to New York City. Now, as a result, they both love Jesus and they're thriving in their faith. And But anyway, I'm on the other side of it. And it, it felt like I had a full-time job on top of my job and on top of being a husband. And I look back. And when my daughter, when I dropped her off at college, it was such a potent moment. We just come off this 
two-week trip in Iceland together, like this power bonding epic trip. It was a global pandemic. It was all we could like do. Mm. Uh, one of the only countries you could travel to. So we're in Iceland and I'm dropping her off at college and she's literally about to go and walk into a dorm and I'm going to drive off and I'm hugging her. Mm. And she says, I need more time. Oh, man. I need more wisdom. I need more wisdom, dad. And I was like, you're going to make it. You're going to make it. You are one of the kids that make it. Mm. But I just thought I gave her so much time and she still was like, I want more. And every dad will have that moment, which is like, crap. I would go back and trade that time I squandered to have like given my kids a legacy. Mm. And so I can say on the other end of it, like this day is coming for you. And you can break generational bondage. You can you can release kids who will shape the future. Kids will thrive in secularism. And you can be great in the kingdom of heaven through sacrifice. And so to me, it's like if you get that right, and let yeah. me tell you, by the way, the respect your wife will give you, mm. bro, I can't put into words. I mean, like my wife's honoring of my efforts. She'd pull me aside and she'd say, you are literally the greatest dad I've ever witnessed. Mm. She's like, I just honor your sacrifice and your intentionality. Which as a man right. is just an injection of Dude, like motivation. It's like, just like, it's like yeah. come on. Yeah. 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 It's like, I'm just getting started here. Yeah. 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 I think wives, I and mean, we have a lot of wives who sneak in and listen to this. They have no idea how much power is in that. That yeah. two sentences for a man is just so, for us, man, I mean, we're just so many of us as men who we struggle with so much insecurity. We're trying to be strong for everybody, our family and our coworkers. Mm. But man, your wife says one, two sentences like that. It's like, all right, I got another year under my belt. I can keep <laughs> That's going. so true. It's so man. true. Man, you're just ahead of us, many of us <clears throat> on this journey. And um, the picture you've painted today is so inspiring, man. That mm. What stuck out to me, what you were saying was that, I, I think for a lot of us, we think through, <clears throat> excuse me, I got COVID trying to creep back into my, well, my the voice COVID lungs are real. It took me honestly a couple months <clears throat> for my lungs to fully come back. Yeah, man. Well, yeah. I'm two days post it. So I'm, <clears throat> you can hear it in my throat right now, but the, the sacrifice, like all of us are thinking, you know, I need to work a little bit more. If I put in five extra hours, can make a little bit of extra money, bump our retirement, put a kit college fund away, all that. But sacrifice like means what if I cut out Netflix or take the TV out of the bedroom or you know don't watch that game or whatever and instead i'm in bed and i've got my journal out and i'm strategically planning what that season of my life is going to look like for with me and my son yeah. Dude, that that's powerful that's a powerful picture that's stuck yeah out. yeah and i'm telling you so i would say hopefully i i mean forgive me if i've come across as arrogant in any way that has not been my intention no. i have developed confidence by doing mm -hmm. this yeah. And confidence comes through competence. Like you only, like you do something enough, you're like, I, I can help with that. Yeah. And I'm telling you, there's not a lot of areas in my life. You know, I'm 44 years old. I've, I've done quite a bit. I've had a pretty crazy life. And I've got a lot of regret in a lot of areas in my life. Mm. But this is not one of them. Yeah. Because that one, like I sacrificed for it. And I just want to say that I, uh, those sacrifices were absolutely worth it. Man. I hope every guy listening can say that. Go pick up The Intentional Father, Practical Guide to Raise Sons and of Courage and Character, John Tyson. 
Leave a review on Amazon. That's super helpful Thank for the you, authors. Thank you, bro. You know it. I appreciate that. It helpful. makes such a difference. Yeah, it makes a huge difference. And uh, and I'll just say this. We'll start a little book club in our uh, a reading club in our new community. I'll, we'll put this on and invite guys to go through this together, read together, and develop plans. I think it'd be cool for guys in our community to say, hey, I'm putting this in my plan and you know, steal ideas and share ideas with each other. But that'd be fun. We'll do that. So connect.dadtire.com. Connect. Dadtire.com. You can jump in that community, go through the book together. This was awesome, Sweet, John. I appreciate you, you so, so much, much, man. This was really, really helpful. We'll have to have you back. Um, a lot of guys are going to be like, I want to hear about that daughter, all the stuff you just talked about with your daughter too. So maybe we'll have you back for part two. Yes. I'm in the process of, uh, it's like I personalized it for my daughter. Yeah. So I'm in the process of depersonalizing it, making it more universal. So it'll probably take me, I'm finishing up my doctorate. It'll probably take me a year. You're not busy, so dude. Like a, it sounds like you're not busy at all. But I'm an empty nester now, bro. I mean, I'm, I'm like, what do you do with that time? You know, I have no idea. I was just changing a six-month-old's diaper. I have no idea. It doesn't even feel like it will be ever reality. Yeah. It was so. here before you know. Anyway, I feel like I'm 44. Back. I feel like I'm 44. And yeah, I just changed a six-month-old's diaper. And so I'm like, I, I will not be where you're at. Anyway, dude, anyway, this was so fun, man. Appreciate loved you a ton. It. Thanks for having me on, man. Appreciate yeah. it. All right. God bless. Hope you guys enjoyed that interview. Just as a reminder, if the Dad Tired podcast has been at all helpful for you on your journey of becoming more like Jesus and helping your family do the same, would you consider becoming a monthly partner? Even if it's just 5, 10, 20 bucks a month, it makes a huge difference for us. We are a nonprofit. We're trying to grow and reach more men and spread the gospel around the world. We need your help. Go to dadtired.com forward slash give. Again, that's dadtired forward slash give and you can become a monthly partner. Appreciate it so much, you guys. Love you. I'll see you next week. Thank you.